Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Check out Unpacking Israeli History Podcast. From the history of infamous terror groups, Hamas and Hezbollah, to the story of Nakba, to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy. Sophie says that I have to start each episode with a joke in order to be part of the Cool Zone Media Network of podcasts. Yeah. So, okay, uh, let me tell you, I remember that detail in my contract because I've got a photographic memory. It's just that I left the lens cap on. That's my joke. Okay. And today we've got a returning guest, the one and only Shireen. Shireen, how are you? Hi, I'm, I'm okay. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. What do, what do you do? How do you justify your existence? Uh, that's a hard question for me to answer right now. Uh, I've been going through a very extended existential crisis, like extended by like years. Uh, oh, now I feel guilty. It's fine. Uh, I should know at this point how to answer that after all this time. But I... Uh, I make stuff and try every day to stay alive. But yeah, I, I've, I write and direct, and uh, I can't say that I've done that in a while, though. So there's where, that, there's where the imposter syndrome comes in. But you're not asking me all these questions. This is not therapy. I do need a therapist. I'm going to shut up. Yeah, no, I'm also just trying to get you to, to talk about your podcast really quickly. Oh, my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do co-host a podcast called Ethnically Ambiguous. It's uh, it's evolved over the years. It used to be about news, and we do a lot of guest interviews now because the news uh, hurts. So. That's true. Yeah. Sophie is our producer and is on the line, too. How are you, Sophie? Hi. Uh, Precious Sophie. I, uh, I, as we established ahead of this podcast, we do believe I have been cursed. So, um, if, mm-hmm. if, if you're listening and you are the one who did that, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? And I believe we could probably do like a Peter Pan thing where if everyone starts clapping and says, I believe in Sophie, oh, then that will help lift Sophie's curse. If everyone who listens to this does that. Yeah, please let me know. Or if you know how to lift a curse, um, you know, DM me on Twitter. Yeah. Thanks. Ian is our editor, and Unwoman wrote our theme music. Woo-hoo. So, Shireen. Margaret. I want to talk to you today about that sacred bond between two people. The bond of marriage. No! 
in particular, we're going to talk about the most important part of any successful marriage, which is to say, today we're going to talk about women who've murdered their husbands. Okay, that's better. Okay, cool. I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. I like that twist. <laughs> I told Shireen that we we picked this episode specifically for her, so it would have been particularly cruel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, the context behind that is that I do not like marriage, and that's all you need to know, I guess. Oh, great. Well, yeah. today we are going to talk about a multi-generational crew of witches, roughly, we'll call them witches, in 17th century Rome, who sold poison to anywhere between 46 and 600 women so that those women could murder their abusive husbands wow. during an slay. era when... I know. <laughs> Big slay. Big slay. Uh-huh. And this is during an era where divorce wasn't a thing and where women were basically the legal property of men. And we're also going to talk about the, the real and yet also mythical concoction that they came up with called Aqua Tufana. And along the way, we're going to also talk about skincare routines, like bathing in the blood of innocence. I do love skincare. All right. Well, this is some yeah. good stuff for you today. Cool. Cool. So everyone buckle up for the How to Kill Your Husband episode, which we're going to call the How to Kill Your Husband. We're just going to call it How to Kill Your Husband and see if we get in trouble. Mm, cool. Cool. So first, we have to talk about whenever we talk about the cool things that people did, we have to talk about the bad things that they're going against. Right. So. Marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, the history of marriage in Europe, really anywhere that's been controlled by Catholicism or even more importantly, patriarchy. But the research I did for this episode was primarily about Europe. It's dark as fuck. It's so dark. The history of marriage is so bad. Yeah. Italy didn't legalize divorce until 1970. What? Yeah. Well, that is way Spain too late. <laughs> that that Spain was like 30 years uh -huh. ago. Well, 50, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, no, it feels like 30 years ago. Yep. It feels yeah. like 30, yeah. You, you know what I mean. Yeah. The real ones know. Okay. Yeah. Spain didn't legalize it until 1981. What? Ireland didn't legalize marriage until 1996. I was alive. Through two, I know. In, in both of in, in, Wait, what was the second one? 81? No, I wasn't 81. alive. 81. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm a spring chicken. But uh, that was way to 96? Yeah. And... And the reason for, I mean, the reason for those three is all Catholicism, but but Ireland in particular, because they, the Catholic Church did this very clever thing where they position themselves as like the anti-colonial choice for the Irish rebels, right, um, against that damnable Protestant England. And so when Ireland got its like kind of independence, the Catholic Church was like, hell yeah, now you're free from England and you can just serve the Pope and no one's allowed to enjoy sex anymore um, oh. and kind of instituted a theocracy which is not what we're talking about today, but I always want to get that off my chest. Yeah. Um, no, uh, yeah. I, 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 I don't like marriage for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. One of them is that it's usually really based in religion and control, and uh, it's just become this archaic thing we've gotten used to, in my opinion. But yeah. um, that's just my two cents. Uh, because also, not all mm -hmm. religions... <laughs> hashtag not all religions. Mm -hmm. um, but... I'm not, I don't really believe in anything, but I will say that in the Muslim faith, the woman keeps her name because she's not necessary. because why would you take your name if she's not related to you is the logic behind that. Like, she's not your sister, mm -hmm. she's not your mom. So she's going to keep her maiden name mm -hmm. or just her name. And it, she can divorce anytime she wants. Like, it's in the, it's in, it's allowed, yeah. you know? So I'm not saying every religion 
is that way. I think it's become, I think the institution of marriage itself has become something really out of our control, regardless of religion. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, totally. I started trying to look up more, uh, you know, like I was looking up uh, divorce in Islam and, you know, finding overall a much better history than <laughs> divorce in various Christian faiths. Although ironically, the Puritans who hated sex and all this other shit, they were more pro-divorce hmm. than the Catholics. Um, maybe hating sex has something to do with that. I wonder. Oh, yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, get divorced. So you can't fuck anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, all right. So divorce, hard in a lot of times and places. And a lot of places, men were allowed to divorce their, their wives, but not vice versa. So, like, because the woman is property, mm -hmm. the man can be like, I'm done with this property. But the property can't be like, I'm done with my owner, you know? Mm, makes sense, yeah. And... And yeah, so, okay, throughout history, you've got this, this shit that says wives with legal property, their husbands. In medieval England, it was called uh, coverture, which means that the wife's legal identity is subsumed by her husband's. And so an unmarried woman could own property, but a married woman couldn't, because if you, once you're married, it all goes to the husband. Wow. That is backwards as shit. I know. So it's like, why the fuck would anyone get married? Um, and mostly it's because of arranged marriages and being forced to. So there wasn't any like benefit. Like there wasn't the excuse of like tax breaks, right? Like back then there wasn't really like why would a woman get married if she had the choice? I, you know, everything that I was reading just basically had the like you kind of like couldn't it was very hard to also in many ways it was very hard to go through life as an unmarried woman and mm -hmm. I think this I think it does change like century to century and like mm -hmm. country to country like exactly how free people are kind of in the same way that I feel like Whenever I read about like historical gayness, it's so different. It'll be like 20 years of awesome on this island and then everyone dies. And, that you know, mm -hmm. it's like and I feel like the rights of women, um, as best as I can tell, in medieval Europe would, would fluctuate a right. lot. But I think people were getting married because they were you were like fucking told to basically. That's just like the path of life that was laid out for you. Yeah. And I think you also literally don't have a choice in a lot of mm -hmm. cases. That's, that's fair. Um, and so. So English law does this thing, and there's this problem where if English law does this thing, then the rest of the fucking world's law does this thing. Because I don't know if you knew this, Shireen, but England mm -hmm. um, hasn't always stayed on its island. Oh, really? Yeah. Has it, has it gone other places? Have, yeah. Have English people been places they don't belong? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and they showed up as tourists and took some pictures and went home. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, um, for some weird reason, when they showed up as tourists... All the other countries swore allegiance to their monarchy. And um, anyway, uh, with all colonization and shit, their bullshit legal institutions get inherited by legal systems all around the world, including the U.S. And in the U.S., all coverture wasn't really challenged until the 19th century, and it lingers in legal codes today still in various places. But state by state, each state slowly got rid of coverture. Louisiana. Okay, I, I, I'm, nope. I'm the stand-in mm -hmm. for the dummies in the room. What mm -hmm. is coverture? Oh, sorry. So that's the the idea that the, the wife's legal identity is subsumed by the husband's. Okay, got it. Thank um, you. And so it's, it's, it's a little bit like the wife is the property, but it's a little bit like the wife doesn't exist, like legally, right. you know? She kind of disappears. Yeah. Yeah. Louisiana was the last state to get rid of coverture. 1979, oh. they finally got Whoa. rid of it. And in 1980, the Supreme Court ruled it federally unconstitutional. And I'm currently, I'm hoping that the current Supreme Court is not listening to this podcast and getting any ideas. Yes, I hope not. <laughs> Sophie, 
Can we add a legal disclaimer that anyone who is currently serving on the Supreme Court or who determines what cases are heard by the Supreme Court isn't allowed to listen to this episode? I think you just did. All right. If you are listening and you are on the Supreme Court, you have broken the law and you should report directly to jail. Also, most of you, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Non-English conquered areas also managed to have similar shit. Because of other, col- like, kind of internal colonization of Europe, you have the Napoleonic Code, which spread mm-hmm. throughout Europe, which made women the property of husbands as, mm-hmm. as it went. Um, ironically, the Napoleonic Code, I think, also, like, spread legalization of homosexuality, but it also spread, anyway, mixed That's, bags. Yeah, double-edged. Yeah. French women didn't get the right to work outside the home without their husband's permission until 1965. Wow. Wow. Uh Famously liberal, or I guess famously neutral, Switzerland didn't offer marriage equality until 1988 with, like, a super narrow vote. That is unsettling. I know. It was, like, it was like 53 or 56% of the population was like, yeah, let's, let's make women equal in marriage. Yeah, we're always just like, oh, that place is fine. They're neutral. Nothing bad happens over there. Know, Everyone's nice. It's they like, make no. pocket knives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and hide all the money. Okay. Um... <laughs> So in the U.S., women didn't have the right to open credit card accounts, or rather, they could be denied opening credit card accounts if they don't have their husband's permission or whatever, until guess what year? I, I mean, at this point, 1998. Okay, well, well, it was actually 1974. I kind of okay, set you up. I with was all really, these I was really I know, uh, I know. thinking the worst of humanity, which is fine. Yeah. Usually, usually that's true. Yeah. In 1974, the Equal Credit Opportunity Act prevents creditors from discriminating against people based on race, sex, or marital status. And even then, the thing about sex and marital status was literally slipped into the bill at the last minute. There was a congressperson named Lindy Boggs who hand-wrote it onto the bill and made photocopies to pass out and was like, oh, I'm sure this was just an oversight that you made this Credit Opportunity Act and didn't include women and marital status in it, right? And they were like, okay, fine. And they passed the bill. Wow. Interesting. Critical support for someone I know nothing else about. (laughs) Bugs. Bless. So most of the past thousand years or so, Western women, again, at least Western women, that's what I've looked at in the context of this particular episode shit run of it when it comes to marriage uh there's this essay that i think you shireen would like mm-hmm. it's from 1907 and it's by voltering declare and it's called those who marry do ill oh yeah that sounds sick <laughs> yeah and it was a response to there was like this like debate and someone else presented uh those who marry do well and so she was like nah those who marry do ill wow epic wow 1907 that was yeah. that's that's a Good on you. Yeah. Who is it by? Volturine Declare. One nice. f- future friend of the pod, Volturine Declare. She wants, um, she's like against the prison system. And so when someone tries to assassinate her, she like doesn't call the cops on him, even though he shot her and then like gets handled in other ways and all this shit. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think he disappears or anything. Anyway, I don't know enough about that story yet because I haven't researched that episode yet. But future friend of the Stay pod, tuned. Volturine Declare. Yeah, yeah. That's a little crumb for later. Yeah. Okay, and so if you know this show, you know, if there's a bad set of laws and social practices, there are people fighting against it. And and how do you think people fought against marriage, Shireen, when divorce wasn't an option? Assuming they're already married? Or yeah, like, yeah. I mean, the only logical, like, uh, 
solution seems like they would have to kill their husbands. Yeah. Poison. Yeah. Poison is a really, um, women solve the problem of marriage with poison. Hell yeah. So. But like, honestly, like really think about it. What yeah. was the choice? You, there was a, the, like, not all murder. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Shereen>. <laughs> um, but I think uh, um, when you push people against a wall, this is in, in context of so many things, so many things. But people yeah. will do things that they wouldn't normally do. Yeah. Uh, and everyone's capable of the same amount of things. You know, no one's like born unless it's like actually like a chemical thing. Yeah. But, uh, but I think anything that you see someone do and you're like, oh, my God, you can also do that because you're the, like you're the same species and you have the capability of like, in my opinion, mm-hmm. anything can push you to the edge. Yeah. Uh, you know, so my point is I support this kind of murder. Yeah. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I mean, I, I am putting them on my show. Cool people who did cool <laughs> stuff. So. No, but that that makes a lot of sense. And even that point about anyone can do any of these things is worth thinking about also from the other point of view of like, you know, when when we do episodes that are about like people who like organized and did all this crazy shit that is a little bit more above board and a little bit less murder. Mm -hmm. um, That's stuff we can do, you know, and I like I do a history podcast not to be like, all the cool people are dead and everyone who listens to this sucks, you know, but like, I mean, it's hard for me to remember that even like I. I just said it out loud, like sounding like I really believe that I was saying, but it's hard for me to believe that like real change can happen because you hear about all these revolutionaries and you hear, hear about people that were like fighting in a much more oppressive time. And you're like, wow, those are badasses. Mm-hmm. And you forget <laughs> that you can do the same thing. Yeah. Um, I forget anyway uh, for myself uh, because I think we get a little bit complacent and also I think like history in general makes things seem really romantic and like far away. Yeah, totally. You know? So, yeah, uh, I think uh, reminding ourselves that we are cap- just as capable, if not more so, if we wanted to be. But it's just about wanting to be, and it's about executing executing that want. Does that makes executing sense? something. Um, executing <laughs> something. Good job! Wow, I did not Thanks, even set that up. Awesome, that was great. Yeah, no, no, and it's such a. I don't know. That's an important point. And and I will say the institution of marriage is still not uh, inherently great, but is a different structure than it was before. And divorce is available to more people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not advocating. I'm just describing what people who had their backs up against the wall exactly. chose to do. So medieval Italy had this reputation that may or may not have been deserved of being fucking obsessed with poison. Supposedly medieval and Renaissance Italy had in whole poison factories. The authorities were like constantly testing poison and antidotes on prisoners and animals. Italian perfumers had side gigs making poison. Wait, so what was this? What was most of this poison comprised of? Like, was there like a a hot one? (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll actually talk about a lot of what people use to poison (laughs) people in detail on this episode. Um... But the big new poison on the scene for most of what we're talking about is arsenic. Okay, okay. I was I was going to say that. I was just like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. That's a smart suggestion. But I'm glad my mind was on the, in the right track. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And so Italians had this reputation of being these master poisoners. And so they would get hired by courts all over Europe to be like, oh, we need a court poisoner 
come on over or like at one point supposedly and but all of this is wrapped up in myth right and mm-hmm. we'll talk about that some too but supposedly at one point like you know some monarch is like oh i need 50 poisoners to win this war for me by going and poisoning all the wells wow. over in, you know enemy land or whatever that's crazy one english guy wrote at the time the italians above all other nations most practice revenge by treasons and are especially and especially are skillful in making and giving poisons um and so it's kind of this like oh those sketchy italians right <laughs> but you know whatever that's so interesting i mean i guess it kind of it makes sense like i, I mean obviously they're movies or whatever but all the stories you hear about that time mm-hmm. there is a lot of poison involved there's yeah. a lot of like assassinations involving poison or like whatever yeah and so i guess i for I forget that that that's like a an actual thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, you because just, it seems like like a like a wizard spell or yeah, yeah totally. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, the dragon came or the court poisoner slipped yeah. their ring open and poisoned exactly. someone or whatever. Yeah, and the king drank the wine and then yeah. fell over and whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, and I I actually didn't write this in the script, but the kings and shit were fucking obsessed and paranoid, where they mm-hmm. would have like food testers. And the food testers would like, like the kings ate shit because like the food tester would come and eat a little bit of everything, but sometimes would just stir it all up together. And like, and so the food, by the time it like is ready for the king to eat, is like cold and like take, like just destroyed. And also strong flavors would mask the scent and taste of poison. So they would avoid the like strong flavors and their concept of strong flavors was like onions and garlic maybe that explains english cuisine i know that's what i was trying to figure out i couldn't find a direct <laughs> link but it seems because it's like well we don't know about those but then i'm like but i bet the peasants i mean they're all eating like turnips and shit right so the peasants right. are probably eating some spicy shit yeah i mean the solution to that mr mm-hmm. kings whoever you are mm-hmm. is to make your own fucking food totally yeah and and they would like eat alone and then they would like like one king, I can't remember which one because again, it didn't make it in the script. He would like wet all of his napkins and have his like testers lick the napkins. And so the like the fucking handkerchief he's cleaning his face with or whatever is like wet and covered in someone else's spittle. Wait, why? In case there's poison on the napkin. Oh my gosh. That's a little bit too far. Oh, and That's the best sick. part is none of it worked because. <laughs> these these poisons don't take five minutes to show up. They yeah, taste, take right. a couple hours at least, you know? Yeah. So poison times, ye olde poison times. But <laughs> a lot of it was fake. But there was like, everyone was like freaked out about it. And it's hard to tell how much was real or not. Mm-hmm. One Italian poison of note was used by the Borgia family to murder a ton of political folks like bishops and all that stuff. And it was a uh, cantarella or thought and it might have been copper, arsenic, and phosphorus prepared in the decaying carcass of a hog. Hmm. Because what's cool, and we're going to get to more of this, this is the time when science and magic are just fucking. Science I, and magic yes. are just in bed, just fucking. I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds kind of witchy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And one of the reasons why I think that a lot of this is exaggerated, there's so many things that say, yes, Italy was obsessed with poison. There's all these poisoners, blah, 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 blah. But then, like, for example, Palmero, Palermo, 
Palmero. You'd think I would have spelled it right when I wrote it down into my script. It's a town in Sicily that a lot of this story takes place in. It only had, over like a 300-year period, there was only seven executions for poison. So, like, mm. I think a lot of this is this sort of moral panic where basically right. anytime anyone important dies, people are like, it was poison, you know? Yeah, they've just, like, perpetuated this, like, fearful rumor uh, and yeah. made it made more than it probably was. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like what we do now, so. I know. Checks out. But people definitely fucked with poison. Killing people never goes out of style. And poison has always also been a weapon of those who don't have access to more direct means of violence, which mm -hmm. is to say a woman's weapon. Again, or has it been, who knows? Because women kill people, right? Obviously, we're going to talk about some women who absolutely mm -hmm. kill some people. Um, but patriarchal society condemns women in what amounts to witch trials over and over again also. Mm -hmm. And everyone loves a good moral panic. So a lot of the killing we're going to talk about this week of women and by women was actually about robbing property. Mm. And so I want to talk, I'm going to go on this like little side quest before we get back to the main quest. I'm really excited about the side quest. I want to talk about Countess Elizabeth Bathory, which I always thought was pronounced Bathory. Have you ever heard of this person? She's the... I have not. I have not heard of Bathory. Okay, so, so this, just to be clear, listeners also, there's a little bit more of a content warning than usual on this episode because... I'm not going to linger on anything in graphic detail, but there's some torture and murder and sexual assault and shit in this week's topic. It's very medieval, and I'm mm -hmm. sort of making a pun, but also realizing that's just where the fucking word medieval meaning torture and shit comes from. I guess that's, yeah, that makes sense. That's the root meaning of that word. Yeah. Okay, so the story goes, there is this okay. woman, Countess Elizabeth Vittori, the blood countess, the alleged inspiration for Dracula. She's been claimed to be the most successful serial killer in history with upwards of 650 bodies. Wow. And I'm going to tell... Legend. Um, I'm going to tell the most commonly heard version first. But first, before we do that, I want to know... So normally we're sponsored by very positive things. Um, I think this time we're sponsored by Arsenic. But I'm wondering, mm. um, uh, Shireen, if you have anyone that you would like this show to be sponsored by, something that's just like a pure, unadulterated, positive thing for the world, like potatoes or arsenic. A positive thing for the world. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Tap we all, water. I, I okay, need more of this. Mm -hmm. uh, this is sponsored by my will to live um, because uh, it's running out and I need more. So if I can buy some, that'd be great. Yeah. So if you purchase the products and services that we advertise, you will have more will to live. That mm -hmm. is the promise and trap of consumer Guaranteed. capitalism. Yep. Here's some ads. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. 
Happy International Women's Day. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, so the commonly heard version of uh, Vettori. She was born in 1560, royalty in the Kingdom of Hungary. She wasn't born in Transylvania, but which was a region in Hungary at the time, now Romania, but her uncle was in charge of Transylvania. And she was, she was an epilept, epileptic child, or what got called at the time the more metal name, falling sickness. And how do you treat falling sickness? Well, Shireen... You should try rubbing the blood of someone without falling sickness on your lips. Or just hmm. drink that blood mixed up with powdered skull. Oh. I mean, they do do that, like, plasma facial these days. The vampire facial, where they, like, literally take plasma out of you and put your oh my blood God. on your face. Oh, really? So, yeah, and it's supposed to, like, do wonders for keeping you young forever and, like, skin reju- rejuvenation. So... Okay. I don't know. It sounds like she was onto something. Then Batoria is definitely ahead of her time because we're going to get to even more of her skincare routine. Oh, hell yeah. She probably looked so good. I know. So her, her family was inbred as hell because they're royalty and falling oh. sickness and insanity ran in her family. Again, this is the sort of legend version of all this. Her family raised her up to be cruel, as rulers were at the time. So she grew up watching brutal torture and executions at the hands of her family. She watched one Roma woman who was accused of stealing and selling children in, into slavery, which was almost certainly like a racist attack on the Roma woman because mm-hmm. Roma people get accused of that kind of shit. This woman was sewn into a horse's stomach. Yeah. Wait, alive? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Not for that long, though. That's... Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, there's going to be some... Yep. Mm. Some medieval shit. 
She watched her own cousin cut out the ears and noses off rebellious peasants. Mm-hmm. Now I feel bad. I feel like I've done a bastards. No, you haven't. I just, I'm a baby. I'm just yeah. a baby. Notice, notice, notice how I'm not flinching. <laughs> Sophie is so used to this. Uh, not the, based the, at I all. Mean, the the sewing of the inside of the horse. I've never heard that. And if no. I have, I blocked it out of my memory. That is that is sick. There are numerous types of torture and execution in this episode that I had never heard of. And I wow. have been reading fantasy books since before I knew how to read. I don't know how that worked, but I was probably doing it. Genius. Her family was Calvinist on paper, but they practiced Satanism and witchcraft at home. She spoke Cute. Hungarian, Slovak, Greek, Latin, and German, and was one of the most educated people, let alone women, of her era. When she was 13, she bore her first child, who was fathered by wow. a peasant boy. The child was whisked away and never seen again, and the peasant boy was castrated for having dared such oh, a no. thing. And then the same year, she was married off to a baron named uh, Ferenc Nadadzi who was about five years older than her and was from a family that supposedly wasn't all fucked up like the Badoris. And this joined like two of the most powerful families in the country, right? Because mm-hmm. women don't have any fucking choice in who they marry, especially mm-hmm. if you're fucking royalty. And you're 13. Yeah, totally. She did get given a castle that she didn't even have to live in. She had a different castle to live in. She got like her own extra castle and 17 villages to own because feudalism mm. is fucking weird. Her husband was a noble and a soldier, and he was always away from home, which I think probably suited her just fine. They didn't conceive their first child until they'd been married for like 10 years. He fought mainly against the Ottomans, because I think everyone who wasn't Ottoman was fighting against the Ottomans at that point. And he was a brutally effective leader and a monster to his prisoners. He would impale them for fun. The Black Knight of Hungary, leader of the Hungarian troops. Black and Knight of Hungary. I mean... Yeah pretty cool i can't deny that it's kind of metal i know i know yeah no this whole there's multiple metal bands that i mean one of them is just called bathory or maybe batory maybe it's pronounced correctly i'm not sure he teaches his wife even more cruelty at one point he punishes a girl by smearing her with honey so insects bite her he has this whole game called kicking the stars i don't understand this game to quote alexandra Bartosowitz's write-up of this legend. It consisted of putting a piece of oil-soaked paper between the fingers of a disobedient servant and setting it on fire. What was the game called? Uh, Kicking the Stars. I don't know. If it was between the toes, it would make a little bit more sense. Yeah, that sounds way more pleasant than it is. I don't know. Yeah, totally. Hey, kid, you want to play Kicking the Stars? Yeah, It's where I set some stuff on fire. In your hand. That's interesting and strange. Never heard of that. From the same... I know. From the same source, he also presented Elizabeth with a pair of gloves that ended in claws, which she used to punish her servants. Oh, the original Wolverine. And Dracula. I know. Wow. She really had had layers. Yeah, absolutely. Like like Shrek. Yeah. I mean, also, just like a side note, that I haven't mm-hmm. forgotten since you said it. I forget that Transylvania was a real place. And I know there are people out oh, yeah. there that do the same <laughs> thing. So that's yeah. already wild to me. Like, it's already set in this fantasy reality time. Yeah, know? totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a, a friend of mine gave me a necklace that's a little vial of dirt from Transylvania. Wow, that's cool. Um, that's cool. Okay, and so 
Meanwhile, while her brave and cruel husband is off at war, Lizzie Batori is at home, and she's getting into evil shit all of her own now. She's making potions and casting spells and fucking people, even women. She travels around and has lesbian orgies. Wow. She invites witches and wizards to court. She keeps a guy who looks like a vampire around. He's pale <laughs> and has sharp teeth and wears all black. Huh. And she gets the name the Beast of Setja, which is the name of her castle. Was, I mean, this is definitely mm -hmm. not something you need to know, but when did the vampire myth start? Like, when, when did that, that uh, being first get introduced into lore, I wonder? I used to know the answer to this better. I, got, I fell into a vampire rabbit hole uh, a couple years ago. I want to say, I mean, historically, versions of it have kind of existed forever. It's kind of from the, like, we thought someone was dead, so we buried them, but they weren't dead, mm -hmm. so then they came back and it scared us, right? Um, but it's around this time period that you start getting more and more folkloric vampires, and they're kind of interesting. The old vampire stories, some of them are, like, um, aristocrats, and it's kind of this, like, fear of the aristocratic, but then some of them are also, like, all kinds of other shit. I should do yeah. a vampire episode at some point yeah, when I actually know this shit off the top of my head. Figuratively sucking the blood of the people. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah. like staying young forever by yeah. you know. Um and so by her mid twenties, again, supposedly, she's torturing people, mostly peasant women in her castle. Because you see, Shireen, have you ever had a migraine? Yeah. Yeah, they suck. Okay. Well, what if I told you that nothing cures a migraine like the screams of your victims? Hmm. I do. I am pausing for a moment of thought. Um, uh, yeah, that would be hard to turn down if it was a really bad migraine. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, so she starts torturing people to cure her migraines. And but she that's, gets what, in, that's, that's mm -hmm. what she believed. Like, my, my, my that is what believe the, if, my, if my victims yeah, are screaming. Yes. Um. This is what the, the legend about her has. Right, right, right. Allegedly. Yeah. All of this. Yeah. And she's doing all kinds of shit according to this legend that I'm not going to get into the details about. Uh, by the time she's 41, she's got a witch best friend uh, who moves in with her. Um, just a gal pal named Anna Darvulia, who is described as a wild beast in a female body, which is objectively cool. So with Anna around, Batori gets crueler and starts killing her victims. She claims that there's a cholera outbreak, and that excuses all the dead people, including now the daughters of the gentry who've come to learn manners at her court. So she's like, oh, send your daughters to learn manners. They will live as prey in my castle, and I will hunt them. She probably leaves that part out of the letters. Interesting. And most famously... So she's not just killing peasants at that point, then. Right. She moves on to the royalty or the well. gentry. Most famously, she's known to bathe in their, her victim's blood to stay young forever. Which is why it's a shame it's pronounced Batori instead of Bathory. I was going to mm -hmm. say, hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, supposedly, she put other girls and women into Iron Maidens with drains out the bottom of the Iron Maiden and, like, attached it to a chain that swings above her uh -huh. to take showers and blood. Huh. Inventive. I know. And the way that she learned that blood is good skincare, much like 21st century has learned that blood is good skincare, is that whenever maids would fuck up while doing her hair for her, uh, she would uh, massacre them and notice that their blood was good for her skin. But the blood of aristocrats huh. works mm. better. So I would say that uh, basically the blood of billionaires will keep you young forever. I would um, say that as a fact, yeah. In case anyone's wondering. 
Yeah. Is this is this where the um problematic vampire facial thing comes from? I was I was thinking about that. I don't know. If, there's no way this is how it started. Maybe, but like <laughs> the the modern version of that is definitely interesting to think about because a lot of people dismissed it, but apparently it's actually a very um it works like because i mean the what what but the first thing you have to do is though is like you have to like micro needle your skin so you're you're mm-hmm. you're wounding your skin and then the blood over it your your face is apparently like the the act of your face healing the wound and like generating new skin that's well, where it, like the it used it used yeah. to be and the, the reason why it was um where where there was primarily the issues is they were using not your own blood oh and- fuck that was a thing. Oh fuck, that's um, no good. You I can't didn't do that. that. That was a thing. Um but you can't yeah. create market for blood. Where did the blood come from? Great question and there was all kinds of, you know, as you can imagine, health and sanitary issues there. Um That is uh, that is bad. But yeah, no, no, but what I know exactly what you're talking about, which is, you know, less like PRP pro- or like yeah, plasma yeah, 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 shit yeah, yeah. and collagen boosting and it's whatever. and it's done by like board certified like dermatologists yeah no it's like legit that. but no this other yeah, thing yeah no you just can't was... create a market for blood that's the bad thing yeah sorry go ahead that yeah is, i did not realize that but realize um that. that yeah it was in fact a thing i'm just wondering if this is the original source of it i mean it sounds which like would, it which would be kind of cool yeah and and what margaret's you know. saying is you're referencing something from pop culture shireen and sophie i don't know the answer to that Fair enough. Yes, that is what's happening. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, please continue. Yeah. But I mean, you know, 16th and 17th century vampires, I have a little bit more knowledge about. Yeah. Thank God. I will say, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I, if I had the money, I don't think mm-hmm. I'm above the, 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 re, like the actual version of the PRP plasma mm-hmm. facial thing because I, collagen. You, your body can't create collagen once it's gone. You're just going to get more hollow and sad. There's nothing wrong with being hollow and sad. But, um, <laughs> but the thing is, if something works, regardless of how weird it is, you will do it. And I think yeah. this lady is doing the same thing. You know, like it's working for her. And so she's going to keep doing it. Yeah, fair enough. And sick. Oh, OK. And so, yeah, so she. She's doing this bathing of blood, and and she also mm-hmm. keeps girls as prey in her castle to be hunted at a whim. Why and girls? Why just girls? I'm not are, sure. Are they easier to get? Probably. So, I, I actually I do have an answer that'll come in the second half of when okay. I'm talking about her when I when I say what the actual story is, and I think that'll. In 1604, her husband, the Black Knight, is off at war again, and he's 48 fucking years old. And he either gets slain in battle or gets poisoned by his wife, depending on the story you read. Mm-hmm. And with him dead, suddenly his widow inherits everything. And rumors are spreading about what's happening in the castle at this point. And the king sends his guy, his Palantine is the name of the, the title, um, basically the hand of the king. I can make a pop culture reference. It just has to be about to shows about people with swords. Fair enough. The hand of the king goes to go investigate. Over 300 witnesses to torture and murder come forward. They're exhuming all these bodies and shit from graveyards to find Uh. all of the torture. They find other bodies in the tunnels under the castle. So on December 30th, 1610, the Hand of the King goes personally to her castle and arrests her and four of her servant accomplices. 
When they arrive, she's covered in blood over the corpse of a mutilated girl with another living as prey in the castle. And when they search her castle, they find her journal detailing the deaths of 650 people. She kept a diary about all of this? Yeah. Again, we'll, you can really um, get away with anything back then. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Like, no DNA, nothing. You're just writing yeah, about yeah. how many people you've killed. Uh, yeah. But I have a question. Sorry, t- side uh-huh. note. It's okay if you don't yeah. know the answer. What was the mm-hmm. gender of the kid that they had together? Was it a boy or a girl? And like, I don't why know. Would it... So, okay. The one so that was secreted like... away. Oh, no, no, no. You said that they... Oh, they did. I think she yeah. ended up having, like, ten of his kids in the end. Oh. But, like... I don't remember how many of them survived. All of these stories are like, and then they had seven children, three of whom survived to adulthood. Right. I guess um, my, my question mm-hmm. is like, would normally the heir get everything versus the queen? I, oh, that's an interesting point. I don't know how the inheritance was working yeah. in this particular setup. I do know that she inherited everything from her dead husband. That's pretty, I mean, that's a, that's um, a cool point to think about because it's yeah. a pretty sick deal. Yeah. And it might have been because she wasn't a ruler. I mean, she was a ruler, but mm. she was, you know, not high up, right? Or she was high up, but she wasn't the fucking queen of, of Hungary right. or whatever, right? So they all get arrested. The accomplices confess, and three of them are executed. One is given life in prison. Um, and the countess gets convicted of vampirism, sorcery, paganism, and was bricked up in a room in her own castle and lived out the rest of her days. And the blood countess was defeated. Except, basically, none of that's fucking true. Oh, which is like I know I'm a little bit like oh, but it's. So I mean, metal. she was so she's a terrible person. If that was true, if that was true, right. she's like a disgusting torturer, serial killer right. person that had great skin. But uh, yeah, interesting. But I find I found a bunch of things in this when I'm when I'm finding this kind of history where there'll be like a woman who is like attacked as this horrible witch or whatever, right? And then it'll be like, oh, actually, all that's lies. And so then people will be like, actually, she was perfectly fine and normal and everything was fine and she was upstanding. <laughs> and then you go like one step further and you're like, oh, no, she was really interesting and cool in a, mm. a different way than being a vampire. OK, I'm, I'm, I'm in. You've hooked me. So she was raised Calvinist. She had falling sickness. She might have been treated with blood. She probably witnessed cruelty at the hands of her parents. The sewing the woman into the stomach of a horse thing. It was probably didn't happen, not because they didn't do that, but because they did that to, they didn't do it to peasants because a peasant's life isn't worth killing a horse for because a peasant is worth less than a horse. Wow. So oh. she probably did see someone get sewn into a stomach, a horse of a, whatever, stomach of a horse. Uh, she certainly bar- married the Black Knight, who absolutely was the Black Knight and a cruel, fucking terrible person. He likely didn't die valiantly in battle. It's also really unlikely that she poisoned him, although I would not rule it out. Uh, He'd been mysteriously sick for several years before he died and actually had been unable to walk the last several years of his life. It was likely that he had poisoned himself with the treatment he was taking for venereal disease. But some of those same treatments were used in popular poisons around that same time. So I don't know. She might have been trying to get rid of her cruel husband. That's the headcanon for me, is that she did poison Mm -hmm. him and he deserved it. But the investigation into Batori about wanton murder and witchcraft, it started at the same time as her husband started getting sick. Because when they knew that she was going to inherit his wealth, um, and most importantly, the king owed them a fuck ton of money, and that debt was canceled when she was convicted. Interesting. 
So the whole trial was almost certainly just about money and power. And then later, the folkloric demonization of this Hungarian aristocrat was useful for Slovak nationalism. So, uh, so it became a useful folklore, right? Mm. When she was arrested, she was eating dinner and not probably covered in blood. Um, the evidence of her journal was that a servant claimed to have talked to an investigator who saw the journal, but the journal was never entered into um, evidence during the trial. So it, it didn't exist. Her three accomplices did confess to doing all those things while they were having their fingers ripped off with red-hot pinchers and ah. being burned alive. One, um, who was, uh, uh, I think you would say little person, uh, he got off lucky and he was just beheaded. Oh, um, he yeah, wasn't... That's, that's quick. Uh... And they never acted as witnesses in court. They just had their confessions before they were tortured to death. Wait, so you're saying the... The killing of the the young girls to stay young thing was true. No, no. So they oh, didn't. No. no, they didn't kill anyone, as far as I can tell. No. Oh, so they only confess under torture. Yeah. Is the deal. Yeah. And, uh, huh. Interesting. She was never bricked into her castle. She was just put under house arrest. Um, despite theoretically having like personally murdered more people than anyone before or since had ever personally murdered, and they just were like whatever, you have to stay in your castle because we successfully robbed you. It would also take about 30 people's blood to fill a bath. Mm. And the detail about the blood baths was added to the folklore 100 years after her death. There were probably no lesbian orgies, which is the saddest part to report. Damn. And she actually... What about that gal pal? Is she real? Yes. And I believe in the gal pal being gal pals. Mm Mm-hmm. Because... And she wasn't accused of witchcraft or Satanism in court, just the murders. All the witchcraft was added later. The Iron Maiden never really existed in Europe. Uh, It's an invention. Like the concept of the Iron Maiden is like... That's so weird. The Victorians were like kind of being like... It was like a Victorian like con artist was like, look at this murder thing that the medieval people had. Pay me a dollar to go look at it or whatever. Damn, that guy really grifted. (laughs) I know. Yeah. I know. Speaking of more metal bands that came out of this um, <laughs> and, you know, an Iron Maiden for anyone listening uh, who doesn't listen to Iron Maiden, it's an upright human shaped coffin with metal spikes that you put the person in, you close it and, it, and they die. Right. But it is true that they would sew people up into the stomachs of horses. Um, so maybe they did have spiky boxes. It wouldn't surprise me if they had, had spiky mm-hmm. boxes, you know. They also had things close to Iron Maidens. They would like put you in like kind of a barrel with spikes, but you... The spikes don't puncture you unless you move. Ah. So it's a like, hey, don't move kind of bullshit thing. I mean, if you were rolling down a fucking hill, that sounds worse than just a quick little snap of the Iron Maiden. You know what I mean? That's, that's true. That's true. That's, that's bad. And where did have an Iron Maiden was 9th century Baghdad. Oh, okay. The, the vizier uh, Ibn al-Zayat made a wooden chest full of spikes and would like throw people in it. But live by the wooden chest full of spikes, die by the wooden chest full of spikes. And in 847, he got thrown into his own box and killed. Wow. Karma, I guess, is what you would call that. But what Batori was is really fucking interesting. She was a healer. And her accomplices basically were witches. They were midwives and healers that she hired. And her her, she turned her castle into a place that taught women anatomy and medicine, 
which of course was all medieval as hell and involved bloodletting and like burning people's wounds with hot irons and shit. Um, mm -hmm. The like red-handed that she got caught was, well, actually, before I tell you that, you know who else will heal you and heal your soul and give you the will to live? Everything that comes after, which we have personally vet, we have not personally vetted. The ads that are coming after are randomly generated. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we are back from those ads that we all personally endorse and love because everyone who participates in capitalism appreciates their own role in the perpetuation of a society that's destroying the entire globe. Yep. Uh, okay, where were we? Uh, the red-handed. She was yeah. caught red-handed. So she was caught red-handed, which was because yeah, she was. I there. 
she was in the middle of like, I mean, she was in the middle of eating dinner, but there was someone there who was being treated, a young local woman who had been attacked by a wild animal. And so had like been taken to the castle where, you know, the weird ass countess with all of her like weird ass, probably lesbian witch friends would heal you up. And so that was where like the dead bodies and stuff would come from that. And like, there were all of these, you know, disease outbreaks happening at the time that was killing a lot of people. But interesting. That's a, that's a really unfortunate twist or like way to change that story. I know. <laughs> you know? Like she was just because uh, before you said, uh, but you described her as very smart, like knowing all these languages yeah. and like all this stuff. That's and true. So it makes sense that she'd be interested in like their version of medicine back then. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a. I mean, not surprised that I got twisted that way, but it is unfortunate. Yeah. And it's just like such a classic way that like, I mean, it all has to do with witch hunts and not serial murder, you know? Yeah. And also just like that stereotype of like, uh, I guess it's like a witchy stereotype, like an older, like someone uh, like sucking the life out of a young person to stay yeah. young because that's what they, because like it's vanity and like yeah, whatever. Totally. So in this case, it was literal, but I mean, you can say that about a lot of, uh, I don't know, shitty people. I yeah. Guess. But in my headcanon version, they're doing bloodletting and they're using leeches and shit on people. Why not use some of that blood for your own skin? So. I mean, you said that when she was younger, her mm -hmm. epilepsy was treated that way. Right. So I don't think she's above that. I think if, uh, especially with the, these vampire facials, I'm calling them that because that's Mm -hmm. essentially what they are. Yeah. Uh, there's blood, but they work apparently. And so, yeah, I don't think she would have had to go on, gone out of her way if that, if she was already doing healing and stuff anyway, like bloodletting, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. like, you know, cause like people want to be like, aha, she was actually perfect. Right. Like she's still like in my head, she still might've murdered her husband who might have mm-hmm. probably had it coming, you know, and she's still like, I don't know. Like, it, like we just don't know. Because when things get muddied so completely by, like, misogynist trials and then misogynist folklore, mm-hmm. you take someone who is probably genuinely really weird, but you don't know how, you know? Right. Wait, so did you tell me how she died yet or no? So she so she gets put on house arrest and she kind of just, like, wastes. So she, like, doesn't actually live all that long after that. But oh. she doesn't uh, die of any, like, particularly notable way. Maybe she okay, poisoned herself. Okay, so they herself, don't kill but... her. No. They just, like, exile her, essentially. Into her own castle. Um, yeah. But... They banish her. There is one really interesting end to this story. Okay. So she was buried at the local church. And the locals were like, no, what are you fucking doing? She's like an evil vampire sorceress demon from hell. Get her out of here. So she was moved to the family crypt somewhere else in the country. But that crypt was opened in 1995 and her body wasn't there. Oh! Damn, that's cool as shit. Right? That is, uh... That's so interesting. So maybe she was a vampire. Maybe, okay, so she's like a healer vampire, right? Who, like, occasionally yeah. has to kill people, you know, whatever, but, like, mostly yeah, is... but she's, like, a good person for the most yeah. part. Yeah. yeah. Like, she uses her powers for good. Yeah, and her husband sucks, so away with him and... You know, wow. but 
Um, I mean, where is her body then? You have to wonder. I don't, I don't fucking know. Like, or maybe, maybe it, someone like unearthed her to keep the the legend alive or something. Or, oh yeah, totally. That's a lot of effort though to like think yeah. about years and years later. I don't know. Yeah, and it was before black metal kids were really much of a thing. So like, right. Mm-hmm. Although I mean, basically, black metal kids have always you know, the black right. metal kids in our hearts have been doing this kind of shit forever. So. So. There absolutely were some women doing some some poisoning. And like most cool things in history, it wasn't done by a single person. And we're going to talk the main... Okay, we finished our side quest, and we're off to the main quest. We're going to talk about a whole multi-generational ring of women in 17th century Italy. Collectively, they've got upwards of 600 kills, wow. which might make them the most successful serial killer group in history, but... As you kind of pointed out at the top of the hour, I think that murdering men who legally own you, uh, from whom there is no divorce, should not be a crime, and neither should be providing the poison. So I don't really see them as serial killers. Yeah, if anything, it's an act of self-defense, because who knows what they were experiencing to, to like, need yeah. to have to do that. Uh, oh, we, but... we unfortunately know. Oh, no. What they, what they were experiencing. I won't get into the details about that. I mean, yeah, but... I, I'm prepared. I'm prepared. Yeah. And maddeningly, this beautiful, like, multi-generational group of, of, of women gets, their complex history has been reduced to a legend of a single woman, which is also untrue. It's the era of arranged marriages, 17th century Italy. So not only are women incapable of leaving unhappy marriages, they don't even get to pick their husbands in the first place. They're basically auctioned off. Uh, so your best bet was to be a, um aspiring widow. And to get a sense for the life of married women at the time, there was a best-selling book from the previous century, Rules for Married Life, which advised husbands, you must beat your wife if she delights in standing at the window and willingly lends a ready ear to any dishonest young men. Wow. In um, the rule book. Yeah. Wow. Sir? Yeah. What? Yeah. Them's the rules, Sophie. Yeah. Yeah, can't well. gaze like forlornly or whatever out a window. Like that's that's Wait. the only thing that they could do. There wasn't any TV. They're like window, window, not fine. Door, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It's just such a like you can't. Yeah, the fact that you can't even gaze forlornly out the window. Like, oh, you better not be looking sad in mm -hmm. your life that I have made into a nightmare. Better not hell. be having thoughts. Yeah. No. Basically. Yeah. Damn. And so. This is going to be the murkiest story I've ever told on this show because it's the one I found the greatest variety of versions of. I'd even written a ton of this script before I found a history book that basically threw out everything else. <laughs> and so I'm going to do my best, but I'll say that half the pop retellings of the story you'll find on various websites are completely fucking wrong. And so mine might be completely fucking wrong. But again, I've read a fuck ton of sources around this. Try yeah. to try to piece it all together. I mean, essentially... All of history is made up. Yep. You know, no totally. one actually knows whatever happened. And yeah, history totally. books are written by people that wanted to write them, if that makes sense. Yep. Absolutely. And I have so much respect for historians who actually just like do the work of trying yeah. to piece together all of these fucking things and mm -hmm. be like, okay, here's why the court record might be biased in the following ways. Exactly, and here's yeah. why, you know, um, and I'm, I'm one of these pop historians I'm complaining about because I'm not actually a historian, but, uh, the story that gets passed into legend is that there's a woman in Italy named uh, Giulia Tufana. She's a second-generation poisoner, 
and she concocted a poison that mixed arsenic, lead, and belladonna. It was odorless and flavorless when put into wine that would kill a man with only four drops over the course of months. You do one drop like once a month or so. And it made the man appear to die of natural causes. She sold this poison to ambitious and evil women who wanted to rob their poor, unsuspecting husbands. It was sold as aqua tofana, a cosmetic so as to not arouse suspicion, or alternatively, a vial of holy water with St. Nicholas on the label. Wow. This was a whole con. Oh, it's like oh yeah, we'll get to them. An entire operation. Yeah. Respect. Julia Tofana supposedly worked for 50 years, killing those 600 people before being found out and executed in 1659, which is an awkward way for her to have to work for 50 years because she was born in 16, supposedly born in 1620, 39 years before her supposed death. Never mind such details. 50 years, 600 people all by herself. When she died, she passed on her legacy to her kid. And that version of the story conflates a ton of people, like I was saying. So I'll try my best to get it right. Uh, but this isn't like the Elizabeth Batory story. Don't worry. They actually did some murder. A lot of okay. people getting poisoned. And the lies and the histories are around the motives and around who did the poisoning and the scope of the world they lived in. But that's where I'm going to cliffhanger it. Nice. Because that's where we're going to leave it today. When we come back Wednesday, we're going to hear the true story, which is actually cooler, like just frankly cooler, and involves a whole underworld of magicians and witches and cities, which is cool. Which is wow. very cool. You're a pro. Even I'm excited about the next episode. <laughs> I'm not even there yet. Shereen, <laughs> do you have any uh, thing you'd like to plug? Uh, not particularly. Uh, you can follow me on the internet if you want. But to be honest, I don't even post on there anymore. I'm very disillusioned with the act of posting right now and have been for a minute. But you know what? Follow me anyway. It'll give me a little ego boost when I say when I see it on my phone, uh, which is sometimes all I need. And you you host a podcast with uh, uh, Anna uh, Hosnier called Technically Ambiguous. Um... And listeners can also catch you on on uh, Cool Zone Media's daily show. It could happen here, like several times a month, right? Yeah, Sophie, can you just do all my intros and outros from now on? I mean, because I'd appreciate that. I, I do. I, I do Margaret's too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. So you could uh, you could follow Margaret on Twitter at is Magpie Kill. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, and you can follow her on on Instagram at Margaret Killjoy. I knew there was. Do you different... know my handles? Okay, one. Okay, you can follow Shireen on Instagram at Shirohero, and you can follow Shireen on Twitter at Shirohero six six six. Hell yeah! Yeah. Okay. I really, I really know that. Also, Margaret, you have a book coming out, correct? Or oh, it is out. It's already out. It, it's out. I'm on tour for it right now. Yeah, Margaret is recording in a in a car vehicle. That's everybody. true. Yeah, that's her dedication. That's how to dedicated this out to, there. Yeah, to 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 uh, you know, her book Murder and her book. podcast. Oh, yeah, that too. Mm-hmm. Um, Margaret, what what what's your book called, and where can people find it? Well, it's called "We Won't Be Here Tomorrow," uh, because we'll be here Wednesday. No, I already made that. Joke oh my like god, twice. that was perfect, though. Oh, thanks. That was pretty good. Um, was, I yeah, liked it's, it. It's a book of short stories. Uh, if you like the kinds of things that I tell stories about here, whether it's witches or revolutionaries you will find both in my book about people who feed men to mermaids or whatever um yeah and you can get it from AK Press oh yeah we'll see you on Wednesday bye bye Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media 
For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Check out Unpacking Israeli History Podcast. From the history of infamous terror groups Hamas and Hezbollah to the story of Nakba to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week. So educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts.